Welcome to the Landscaping Podcast. My name is Joel Barnett and I am your host. And today's episode of the Q&A is the 33rd that we've done. And we've got 13 questions. And coming out this week is Luke Smith on this week's episode. So he's got the Australian Lord and Garden Podcast. So um, I was a guest on that a few weeks ago and it's a, an awesome podcast to listen to. So I've said it a couple of times and in the intro that I um, I listened to it prior to going on just to see what the podcast was about and now it's one of my favourites. So recommend you check that out uh, but if you've got any questions chuck them in down the bottom here uh, so we've got third end to get through so the first one is from final design landscapes saying when is it getting easier so i assume he's talking about just the how difficult it can be to be in a design construction or maintenance business at the moment so it uh i think it definitely will get easier but um it's times like these if you if you're struggling is when it it sort of makes you appreciate when you're when you're doing well and when it's when you're not struggling even so it's like when you hurt your thumb or a finger you don't realize how often you use it and, and then you appreciate that you're not sore when you haven't hurt it so um i think it's uh it's a good time to like there's there'll be a lot of companies who have been going along just making money just by uh, through no skill of their own so uh, it's a good time to sit back and think about what you're doing and be more purposeful in how you're going about things rather than just, you know, work for yourself because you work for yourself, actually have some sort of vision that you're working towards and work out if you're not making money on jobs, why you're not making it and where you're losing it and uh, plan for the future as well. So work out how you're going to make more money and be more successful and get jobs done quicker. So there's a lot of things you can do. And if you haven't done those type of things when things are going well, then the second best time to do it is now when you when you're not going well because now it's obviously a lot more weight behind the reasons that you're going to want to fix things. So um, it will get easier, but uh, you just got to put one foot in front of the other until that time. Our next question is from Greenco Landscapes. He said, "What's your favourite element of landscaping to construct?" So previously it has been paving, and it probably still is, but. Um, particularly crazy paving at the moment, but um, concreting is starting to to get a close second. So I was doing a fair bit of concreting at the moment, especially at my house, and I've got a couple of projects that we've done and also got coming up, uh, and I just yeah, really enjoy doing it. Uh, it's sort of, you, once you start doing a lot more, you see why it's so expensive because um, there's so much time that goes into it. So not only setting up the formwork, making sure that's not moving, but then just troweling it and finishing it. Especially when you're doing it in winter when it's going off slow, but but I would say if I had to pick a number one, it'd still be crazy paving uh, and paving in general. Um, but luckily the the top two, so the crazy paving and the uh, concreting, it's both doing at my place. So and then also doing a different type of paving, doing herringbone limestone paving on the driveway as well. So uh, a lot of good things to do there, but uh, don't have any time or money for them at the moment. So that's going to be in the future. Now, Fig Landscapes said, what are the three most important factors for a successful landscaping business? I reckon the, the first one that came to mind is communication with staff, uh, not only staff but clients as well. So, yeah, talking to your staff and finding out what motivates them So, because the, the better and more successful your staff are, the more successful your business is going to be. So if you can work out what your staff enjoy doing uh, and what motivates them, then that's going to be a key to having good workers and and that and good workers usually bring on other good workers as well so 
uh, it, that creates a great culture um, to work for. So, if yeah, not just treating your staff just like an, any other employee, just treat them like they're a person and try and uh, not only achieve your goals but find out what their goals are as well and help them achieve them. And if they, they might not have any goals and they just want to turn up to work five days a week and do whatever they have to. So not everyone has got things that they want to achieve, but find that out from it. If they do, then you can start to work towards that and you'll see how valuable employees can be really uh, employees can really be. So yeah, communication with staff, but also clients as well. So that's going to help you longer term. Yeah. If you're communicating with the clients, it's going to be a good experience for them. So then they're more likely to refer you to their, their friends. Um, another thing would be enjoying what you do or the outcome at least of what you do. So that's another thing for the most important factors for a successful landscaping business. Because if you're enjoying it, you usually be good at it. Um, but they're not, you don't have to enjoy every part of landscaping. So you can just enjoy the, um, the process of getting to the end goal. So I like, for example, I hate, um, excavation, but. That's just part of what you have to do to get to the end result of the amazing landscapes that we produce. So uh, that'd be the second one. And then the third one would be planning. So, um, yeah, similar to the to the first question about you're going to do a lot better when you do plan. Um, you just need to – and it can be also frustrating to, do, to not to plan and then things go – things change. So um, that does make it a bit – annoying when you spend a bit of time playing and it just gets all thrown out the window but i've certainly found when i do sit down and plan out a week or or longer in advance that things seem to go pretty well when it works so uh, if you don't plan then yeah you're not achieving anything that 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 you've worked towards and but when you do plan and it um it goes out the window it's the same deal you're still not achieving anything but when you plan and everything works as you planned, then that's that's the jackpot. So uh, you'll see how valuable it can be when it actually works. So it's worth going through the time when you plan to get thrown out the window to actually uh, make it work. The planet space said, what's the best way to get bluestone crazy paving really clean after laying? So we don't do any of the cleaning ourselves. We get Stone HQ to do that because they're professionals in that side of things and they they don't charge much for it either. They, they get out to you pretty quick. Um, so, yeah, there's some things that uh, we do. Look, there's too many hats we wear as landscapers sometimes, but one of them that I don't like to wear is cleaning paving. So we get Stone HQ to do that. Um, and, yeah, they'll generally seal it as well. But the sealing is not as necessary, but uh, you certainly want to keep the paving as clean as you can in, while you're doing it and you know particularly when you're grouting because that's a lot harder to get off um than than what mortar is but um but yeah i've seen some that looks a bit patchy uh, and especially when the grout fills in any little cat's paws that are in there um so that yeah there's um i've seen other people also seal it before they lay it but i wouldn't go to that if it, it's a bit over the top um it, it would probably possibly make it clean, uh, easier to clean, but there's no guarantees on that either. So uh, just, yeah, if you just allow in your price, like it might be 10 or 12 bucks a square metre to get someone else to come and clean it, and then you can, you still want to, yeah, don't go too crazy and make it messy. But, um, yeah, you can just get them to come in and do it and you don't have to worry about it as much. And let the cobblers cobble. 
Uh, Land Culture AU said, what type of judge are you? The Shane of Blaze or Darren Palmer block type? So the reason he's asked that is because I'm going to be judging at uh, Floriard, which is the Canberra uh, event that's been going on for quite a while. So they're going to be doing some uh, display gardens that they're building for the first time this year. So it's pretty exciting. I'm pretty sure they're students designing it and then some landscape construction companies are building it and then myself and a couple of others will be judging. Uh, so, yeah, can't wait to go there. That's the – it's in a couple of weeks. I think it's the 15th or 16th of September. Uh, so, yeah, and then it goes for a month, Floriad. So I've heard a lot about it but haven't been there, so really looking forward to going up there. Um, but in terms of what judge I am, I, I'm also judging the Landscape and Victoria Awards in the next two or three weeks as well, so – Fair bit of judging going on. Um, and I would have to say that I'm more of a, a dicko from Australian Idol type of judge. So telling people to lose some pounds or choose more appropriate clothing. They'll be ruthless. BR Landscaping said, tips of going from residential to commercial landscaping. I've only done a little bit of commercial landscaping in a couple of childcare centres, um, but I was not enough to be able to be a person to give advice on it other than saying that you should contact someone who has done that or at, at the very or not you don't necessarily have to have gone from residential to commercial but just talking to someone who's in that space that you're trying to get into so if, in commercial landscaping because i know one one thing for sure that you have to do differently is pay i think it is i don't know if it's called incolink or I don't think it is i think it's something else but you have to pay uh, like a long service leave for your employees like every month and then that goes into a a um a fund that they can then access so people in commercial landscaping can work for multiple different companies and then once they've hit seven years they've got that fund that they can uh, take from so yeah it's a different superannuation fund for people in the commercial area so thankfully we don't have to do that in residential but um yeah it's just another another expense so People do see that there's good money to be made in commercial landscaping, but there's also a lot more expenses than than there are in retail. Um, so yeah, you just want to be aware of all that. And there's also the the tricky part of a lot of uh, commercial projects. You'll have to pay. I don't know what they call it, but you pay a five or ten percent, or you, you don't get five or ten percent of the amount of work that you've completed. So the your of your quote. You can't invoice the five or ten last five or ten percent for like one or two years, depending on that maintenance period. So if you're doing a two hundred thousand dollar project, you might have twenty thousand dollars of that that you're not going to get for for two years after, until two years after you finished it. And then when that two years comes, you might have to replace a heap of plants or fix some paving or you know, fix up any anything that's changed since you completed it. So yeah. Definitely a different game doing commercial compared to residential. So talk to someone who is in that uh, that you can trust, uh, and it could, and it might be because it's also a lot more competitive. So you might might want to talk to someone. Um, for example, if I was in Geelong doing, and I was only going to do stuff in Geelong, and I'd talk to someone who's in Melbourne. So you're not really not so they're not a competitors competitor. So you're more likely to get some good advice from them without them worrying that you're going to be taking their jobs. Or competing on the same projects at the very least. Uh, Pascal Z's said, what's your favourite garden edging? Uh, I'm going to be doing a little bit at my place and I'll be using just the mild steel, the 75 by 5 mil mild steel. 
So it rusts off and it looks looks no different to core 10 steel edging, but it's a lot less expensive. Uh, and going with 5 mil thick, it's relatively straight as well. So I just put that in and chuck in some uh, 12 mil Rio, then bang that into the ground as pegs and then weld it to that. Um, so yeah, I don't mind the form boss, but it's very expensive. And um, yeah, it's mainly just expensive is the reason why. Uh, but yeah, every now and then the timber edging goes all right as well. It's certainly got a, it's got a place for it. Um, I've also, in my place, I'm doing a, a mower strip, so doing a paver edging, so I don't have to use a whipper snipper as much. So I can put the wheel of the wheel mower of the mower on there. Um, so that's yeah, 150 mil wide. So hopefully that's wide enough, and that and the mower works how I think it will. But but yeah, in terms of defining from lawn and garden beds and paths, I like the just the steel edging. Earth escapes said, "How do you deal with clients changing the design slash plans?" Um, generally pretty good with it because uh, it depends on what part of the project it is. Well, okay, we're really into the project it is, but you've usually built up a good relationship with them. So, um, yeah, again, it's just communication with them. If, if it's going to be something that's going to change the cost significantly or, or probably just change the cost at all, you'd want to talk to tell them that it's going to, you know, this this change is going to cost this much because they might think, ah, oh, it's not a big deal, but they don't, they're not in the industry, so they don't know how much is involved with what change is going to do. So, yeah, just if someone says, can we do this? You say, yeah, we can do that. It's going to cost this much and it might delay the job as well or just let them know what's going to have to change so that they can achieve their result. Um, but the only time I get annoyed about people changing or adding, specifically adding things to a project is if they've complained about how long it's taken us to start their project because that's one of the reasons I don't tell clients that I can't tell them when we're, when we're going to start their project is because that, ex that exact same thing, people add things, nearly every project that we do. I think while you're here, you can just do this. And I don't have a problem doing that because you're not going to say, no, we'll book that in for 12 months when we can next get to it, and even though it's only going to take us three days. So you do it while you're there, but everyone needs to appreciate that that is going to push you all your other jobs back by doing that. So. Um, yeah, charge accordingly and, yeah, just the communication about any changes and how much they're going to cost is the key to uh, keeping a happy client and also getting paid for, for what you change as well because, yeah, you don't want to make any changes and then at the end and, and also invoice them at the next invoice as well for those changes. So don't wait until the end because then if there's any issues about it, they're going to get um, you can get them fixed before the project is finished rather than at the end when it's going to be harder to get money out of the client. Uh, Lloyd Sharp said, what value does social media do for your business? Do you use your platform to promote it? It's a very, it's a good question. Um, I reckon it does a, it does a lot um, positively for the business, but it's hard to put a figure or uh, give any examples on it. Uh, like I'll have, it, it's great for communicating with, other people in the trade um, on social media. So I've had a lot of people that we have done jobs with, like uh, there's pool builders we've worked for or worked with who I met first on Instagram. Um, yeah, plenty of suppliers. So it's good for that and that helps. Like the more suppliers that you can use and, and more products that you wear off, the better your, um, 
your business is going to be because you've got more range in what you provide. You're not just pigeonholing to providing, you know, a couple of different styles of pavers or different timber or not doing concrete. So you can learn a lot through social media that you can um, grow your skills on. Um, and there's also, you know, direct through, through clients that we get work from as well. So we've had people who have been following us for years and then they then when they're ready to get work done, then they'll, yeah, they'll pull the trigger then. So they sort of get to know you over a couple of years and then use you when they're ready. So it is a long-term thing. Uh, so you just need to keep that in mind, just be consistent. Uh, I haven't been consistent the last few months, but um, it's also important not to get too worked up in, you know, ticking boxes and doing. If you're not if you're not enjoying it, then you you, you, know, you don't have to do the social media side of things. Some of the best landscaping companies in the world don't have uh, don't necessarily have social media, so it doesn't make you any better. Uh, it doesn't make your work any better just because you post it on Instagram. Uh, I see a lot of people who have an amazing Instagram account and then you see inside their business and they've got no idea what they're doing and they do some horrendous work. So it's, uh, yeah, you want to keep that in mind when you're looking at other people's Instagram accounts. But, um, but yeah, it does make a, it, it can have, it does, certainly has the potential to have a positive impact on your business. Uh, Wild End Design said, what's one thing you wish designers would do to help contractors? Uh, if you could take over the excavation, that'd be awesome. I would appreciate that a lot. You can do the design and the excavation and we'll do the rest. Um, but uh, probably providing heights accurately would be a good one. But there's there's be a lot of things that a lot of that landscape contractors uh, wish the designer did. But there's also a line where the designer you know, is charging a certain amount so they don't need they can't provide a million and one different things if the client has only picked a certain level of design. So if they've only picked the basic level of design, you, the contractor can't expect the top level detail in it because someone's got to pay for it. As you know, I guarantee the contractor won't pay the designers to provide all those details. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, I've been saying it a lot the last few weeks, but communication again between the designer and the constructor about you know, what's included and if they've got questions they should ask the designer and don't be afraid to communicate with them and build a good relationship. But, yeah, there's nothing – I reckon probably heights. Providing heights is the key uh, to being able to do a good landscaping construction from a plan, but there's also been times where a designer will include heights on the plan, but then they're not relevant to what actually works out because when they do the design, there might be – um, an existing house on the block that's going to get knocked down and level is going to get redone completely. So it's uh, it's not easy to to do a design and know everything that's going to happen on site prior to when construction starts. Um, so yeah, I just think also be um, try and view things from other people's points of view. So think of yourself as a landscape contractor and what you, how you would see things, and vice versa if you're a contract and then think of how our designer is looking at something so just sort of think of it from a different perspective uh, hayden oglesby sculpture said if you moved to a new area and had no contacts how would you go about finding supplies and materials uh, i'd be looking at instagram searching the hashtags of that town that you moved to um, and probably going into cafes 
because there's a lot of people, like a lot of trades people, and you know, everyone seems to go into a cafe to get their coffee in the morning. So you could go in there, start up a relationship with the um, people who work there, and sort of let them know what you're what you're about. Obviously, the you know landscape supply yards and paving yards and that sort of thing. Um, what else would I do? Yeah, I reckon, yeah, and you can also do um, some, like you kind of need to, if you had built, your, like, let's say you built up a good reputation in Western Australia and then you move over to the other side of the country, so you got, you know, no one's ever heard of you on the other side of the country. Um, you you probably want to do some uh, like Facebook marketing or use high pages or something, so you might have to go sort of back down to the bottom of the barrel and work your way back up again, um, but you will have learned a lot. In the meantime, so you'll you'll be able to do it quicker than what you've done it the first time. But um, yeah, just do that guerrilla marketing sort of stuff and do uh, know that it's going to take time to build up to where you were, uh, but just be patient with that as well. All right. Ivory Gardens said, "What are some key tips for scaling to win back slash free up time?" Uh, I think planning would be whoops. Planning would be the the number one thing to do for that. So you can go, you can be busy and not get anything done because you're just running around and you're wasting time doing things. Like for example, if you had to go to five different jobs in a day, if you haven't planned the most efficient route to go, then you could spend an extra hour and a half driving when you could have done it a lot more efficiently. So. You could do things as simple as planning where you're going to be driving and which job you're going to first. Like it sounds simple, but it's just an example of how much difference it can make to plan your day. Um, and also like thinking forward on uh, projects. So if you're going to be paving on a certain day, you can work out when everything needs to get there. So and you'd want to get it there earlier just in case something goes wrong, um, so that you can have your project ready to go. So just try and think think of ahead as far as you can. So then if you're um, more efficient with your work, then you're going to have more time as a result of that. You'll get things done quicker. Uh, the quicker you get things done, the more money you'll make. So everything just works out better. So, yeah, that would be a key tip for that. And also tracking how long you're taking to do everything so you can work out. You might think you're quick at something, but... If you actually sit down and work out in time, it you think you probably might be wasting time on that. So, yeah, track track your projects and how long you take on everything, and then see if you can. You might need to change something or tweak it so you can get it done faster and again save more time. Uh, TA Turf Guru said, "Can we get the original intro music back for your 150th episode?" Uh, probably not, because uh, I. Because I do the videos on YouTube, I have to have some sort of video in the background while the music is playing, um, and I can't be bothered getting photos for that. It, and it sounds the I don't even like the um, the transition music that I use. It just sounds. I liked it when I first picked them. Now, now they sound horrendous. So it's unlo- unlikely that that'll make a um, a return. And last question is from Dan at Evergrow Landscapes. Do you think joining Landscape Victoria is beneficial in regional Victoria, like in East Gippsland? I've seen the benefits working in Melbourne, but it seems a bit limited down this way. I think they might have a regional price, so it doesn't cost as much to be a member 
if you're in regional Victoria, although I'm pretty sure I don't think Geelong is part of that. But, um, but yeah, it depends. Like I had a look on Landscape Victoria's website and it lists their benefits on there, or some of them. I don't think they've list, listed as many as there, there is, but um, you could have a read through those benefits. And if they're if none of them appeal to you, then it wouldn't. It's not uh, beneficial. And I think that one of the main benefits out of it is the is making contacts within the industry. So if you're not going to go to any of the industry nights, then it, yeah, it's probably not worth it for that. But there's also things that they do for the industry, like, for example, like pushing for people to get uh, registered, and they did uh, some ads that, on the radio that were telling clients that they needed to be using registered landscapers, registered landscapers. So there's things they do that make the industry a better place that that money goes towards, like your membership money goes towards. So, yeah, even though there might not be anything directly that can be beneficial for it, there's certainly things indirectly like that that, that make the industry a better place. Um, and if you work out the cost over a year, how much you're paying you know, per day is not a lot, uh, but all people putting it towards it uh, makes a big impact. So, yeah, I, I don't... I don't think it's a uh, hugely beneficial, but um, but yeah, work out if you can afford it. If you can't, then don't, you're not going to lose out too much by not doing it. But if you can, uh, it's good. And then, and another thing also that they can do is they you can um, find out other members who are in your area as well. So um, that helps again with creating contacts. Yeah, I know Liz Filmer used to be, she was out that direction. So, and she was a member for a long time. If she's still, yeah, I'm pretty sure she still is. So she might be someone to talk to about that. Um, yeah, but that was the last question. So thank you very much for everyone who put in a question. And um, once again, it's Luke Smith from the Australian Lord and Garden podcasts out this week. And he's also from Silverstone Gardening. So he's got a garden maintenance and uh, lawn care company in Western Australia. Um, but yeah, he's a very knowledgeable fella. So it's an awesome episode to listen to, but also his podcast is a good one, good one to listen to as well. So give that a listen. But um, thank you very much again for everyone who put in a question, and we'll see you next week.